eight miles. That's as the crow flies. It's impossible to walk out here as a crow would fly. In the span of less than 24 hours, you'd have to believe that this two-year-old covered perhaps as many as 12 miles. As it was, his clothing was found ripped and they figure it's likely from barbed wire fences, either going through them or under them. And even with a full moon tonight, I can't see anything going through this bush. So if I'm a two-year-old child and I've got to walk through this or crawl through this, I get to this time of night, I can't see Keith going anywhere. I can't go anywhere. How a two-year-old could travel the topography I'm traveling now, uh, little shoes and, and it was sub freezing temperatures, even if he was a kid full of energy. This is roughly the area the searchers found him. His father was about 100 yards that way. And he's found here, face down in the snow, hat and coat beside him. Searcher finds him, father one, maybe 200 yards away, runs over, picks him up, and he's alive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Home Wrecker podcast. I am the Golden Greek Alexarion. I am joined, as always, by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing trophy wife, Monique. Monique. Hi. 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 So we just opened up. A little bit differently than usual. That was a, a clip of Les Stroud, who was a filmmaker. And you were just listening to a clip from the documentary Missing 411, which is what we're going to be discussing today. We, Monique and I watched the Missing 411 documentary and then also the, the sequel documentary. Yeah, we're going to be talking about both of those today. Now... First off, just real quick, when did you first hear about the missing 411 cases? When you told me about them, I don't know, been, some odd years ago. It's been, it's been several years, yes. Yeah. I first heard about them listening to Coast Coast AM. I know, shocker. That's where, <laughs> where I learned and heard about most things first. The gentleman who pretty much discovered this whole phenomenon, if you will, his name is David Politis. He's a former law enforcement. I believe he was a detective in California. I believe I read that somewhere that he was a police detective. And he was approached by some park officials one time. And they told him that there had been several disappearances in national parks. And there was they were just very mysterious and a lot of mysterious circumstances surrounding them and that he should investigate them so he did and found a lot of strange circumstances that led to people's disappearances or surrounding people's disappearances and he's written several books now on these disappearances i think the the last total i heard was over 1200 that he's discovered that fit certain criteria that will classify them as missing 411 cases we know that there's a lot of disappearances, but we don't know a lot of 
well, we don't know what happened to, to any of these folks. Now, some people have gone missing and have been found alive. Unfortunately, most have not. I've read most of his books. I believe he has seven total books out now. I've got f- the first five. Basically, he's, he's discovered cases around the world now at this point. At first, he started out just in the western United States and then discovered several cases enough to write a book about the eastern United mm-hmm. States. Then it stretched out into Canada. It's all over the world now. And obviously, as more people have become aware of, the, of these type of cases, more information's come out and more people have, been, have come forward with disappearances that they're aware of. So obviously, there's more eyeballs on this kind of thing now than there were, say, 10 years ago. And he's made two documentaries, like I said, and we watched them both. So we figured we've been wanting to do a show about this for a while just because we really find this whole topic fascinating, uh, terrifying at times. And we we always, when, when it comes up, we always sit and try and figure out what could this possibly be? And I think that's everybody that gets turned on to this topic. What could it possibly be? And everybody's got theories. I've heard so many different theories. We've come up with so many different theories of our own. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to discuss both of the movies. We'll start with the first one, Missing 411. came out two years ago in 2017. We'll talk about the cases. We'll talk about the circumstances surrounding them and what we think may have happened. And then we'll, we'll continue on with the sequel that just came out this year called Missing 411, The Hunted, which is about hunters that go disappearing mysteriously in the woods. So let's start off. Let's just get right into it. And we'll start off with Missing 411. What were your first impressions of the of the movie? It was hard to watch. Uh, this is about children going missing and about kids that are our kids' ages. As a parent, the first thing that goes into your mind is, what if that happened to my kid? What would I do? And there's two parents whose son, their two-year-old, goes missing. We have a two-year-old. And they were searching for him and they were mentioning how the police law enforcement tell them you can't search, you have to stay here. If that was me in that situation, which I hope it never is, but I'd be like, hell no, I'm looking for my kid. I am the kind of person where I always put myself in other people's shoes and watching this was really difficult. And it was also just mind-blowing these cases and how these kids just disappear and everything that happens it it was in a sense a little difficult to watch but at the same time you are so caught up in trying to figure out what the hell is going on that um it kind of helps I I guess for myself as a mom (laughs) that kind of softened the blow of watching stuff about these poor little kids going missing yeah, that's that's I got to say that was that was pretty difficult for me too, especially when they're interviewing the parents and the parents are talking about what happened and everything that happened afterwards and I'm just the whole time thinking, "Geez, I I don't want to ever take my kids out in the woods." Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, we like, like going for hikes and stuff and I, we were saying like we're going to be holding our kids' hands. They're going to be on leashes attached to us. They are not going to be out of our sight. Like yeah. they will be touching us at all times. Yeah, I thought I thought that that this it was it was a pretty well done documentary. The the main case that they talked about 
it, it was a pretty recent case. It happened in, in 2015. It's still ongoing, last I knew. Uh, and it was about Dior Kuntz Jr. It was a two-year-old that went missing, and that's the one you were referring to. And what happens is they start off with that case, and then they'll break out into and talk about other cases, and then periodically they'll break in and talk about that case again. So what happened with this case, the parents, the two-year-old, so it was a mom and dad, not married at the time. I don't know if they are now or not. They were engaged. And they went with the mother's grandfather and of the grandfather's friend friend up to the mountains, a pretty remote area in Idaho. They, They tell the story. It seems like their story changed a couple of times throughout the the documentary. Yeah, there were some weird things some, that happened. Uh, yeah, the father was, was talking to the wife's friend who they were interviewing and made a weird comment about the grandfather being involved. Well, let's let's this before we get into all that, let's just talk about what happened that day cuz we don't we don't want to go off in a million different directions here. But before I'm just we saying get the main as story. the stories were changing, yeah, well, there were weird things that were going on. Yeah. So, and we'll get into those. But Basically, what happened was they went to a creek to go fishing or look for fish. So, they had to go to the back into town. They go back into town with their son. The grandfather and friend went fishing and caught some fish. So, the friend went to go show the parents where he found the fish because they wanted to go fishing. The son, the two-year-old son, followed the mom. And then they asked, do you want to come with us or do you want to stay with grandpa? And grandpa had candy or something, so he wanted to stay with them. Oh, with the grandfather. So they went off, and then the father later on came up, was it maybe half an hour later? Not, no, not even. Well, the way they tell the story is maybe 10, 15 minutes later, comes up, the mother stays by the, by the creek, by the creek or the crick, as they called it, and asks where his son is, and the grandfather's like, oh, well, he was right over there, and they can't find him. Kid basically vanished into thin air. They can't find him anywhere. And where the parents were... You could even see when they had the cameras down there through the woods, you could still see the table of their campground. Yeah, there's a there's a trail right goes right up to their where their campground is. It, it was not far. No. It was I don't know. I, I mean obviously we weren't there, but it looked like maybe 40, 50 yards at the most. It wasn't very far. You could see from the creek where they were, you could see the campground. So you could see everything right there. So it's not like they were, you know, way out of sight or anything like that. So at first, when, when they're telling the story before they get to the site and they show the site and, and the distances and everything, I'm thinking, well, no kidding. The kid went missing. You weren't watching him. You just let him walk back with, without your eyes on him. What the heck? You know, what do you think is going to happen? That, you know, that's my first reaction. But then when later on when they get there and you see, it's like, well, okay, I hate to say it, but I may have done the same thing. Like, no, just go back, turn around, go right there because there's... Where's he going to go? He's going to go right back to where he came from, right? You would think. So it's just kind of just kind of weird. There wasn't a lot of space or not there wasn't really anywhere for him to disappear to. Yeah, once they show the actual campgrounds right. cuz at first they just show a map and like the yeah. footprints of everybody yeah. on the map. So you think what the heck? But when you actually see it, you're like, "Oh, you could just turn and look and say like everyone could see everyone from almost every vantage point yeah. wherever you are. Right, exactly. And obviously the only time you're not seeing is if your your back is turned, which the parents' back were turned to the creek where they're fishing or looking for fish. And I guess what happened was they found a little small pool of minnows and the, the father said, oh, I got to go get 
my son, they, they kept calling him Little Man. Little Man because he's junior. Yeah. I, we, I got to go get Little Man to show him because he likes fish. So this would be perfect thing for, for him to see. And that's when he went back up and his son was nowhere to be found. And the grandfather said, I don't know. He was just right here. I don't know where he went. Now they had an, they had a private investigator who apparently was helping the, 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 the parents. Family who later on decided that he wasn't going to help them anymore because he thought their behavior was a little bit strange. They so he was interviewed. They refused to do interviews. They refused to do media interviews, I guess, is, is what his big issue was. And he believed that the grandfather was not watching the child the entire time. Obviously, he wasn't watching the entire time if he disappeared. But he believed that the grandfather just went into his trailer and just left the kid outside unattended. That was this private investigator's belief. He felt there was a lot more going on that the family was withholding in terms of information. Right. And of course, anytime you have a case like this and it gets publicity, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody thinks they know what happened. Everybody's a suspect. They all speculate. Yeah. So you had, they were showing little Facebook groups that people set up to try to help find the child and everybody's blaming the parents. People are blaming the They're friends. Like They're blaming like the, the grandfather. Are on drugs. They're <laughs> saying they all, have no idea what's going on. Right. They're, they they were saying that it was a local, what was it? It was like a local cafe owner yeah, or something like this disposed restaurant of a body yeah. and it's just all this weird stuff and you're like where are people getting this like, information and, and how from? is this useful to finding this little boy right i mean all you're doing is creating more negativity in an already negative situation i can see i guess i could see the the parent side where they're like we, we don't want to talk to the media because it's just everything we say the father even said everything i said gets blown out of proportion people read into things that aren't there and and basically, he said, the only people that know that I was not responsible is my wife because I was with her the entire time. And I know she wasn't responsible because I was with her the entire time. She was with me the entire time. When you have a situation like that and people are looking for answers, you're going to go to the most logical thing. You're going to blame the people that were there. Either they did something to this kid or... They weren't watching him and let something happen inadvertently, I would assume. I, I would hope it was inadvertent. It and wasn't something that they wanted. Something to the father to him. said, I can't remember if it was, they only did one interview with local news. Yes. But they also had a vigil, but it might have been the interview. He, he mentioned how just takes a split second, you take your eyes off your kids. And we know that happens. I turn around and my my two-year-old's somehow miraculously on the other side of the room getting into trouble. And I'm like, how did you get there so fast? I, I turn my head for a second. I watched this happen a couple of weeks ago at the barbershop. I was getting my hair cut. You went, all, we, all of us were there. All of the kids were getting the haircut. I was getting a haircut. And I watched the two-year-old who was right next to you. You turned for a split second to talk to the barber who was cutting our five-year-old's hair. And I watched him go from your side straight across the the entire barbershop trying to get out one of the doors. And I In had to seconds. yell to you across the room, yeah. hey, hun, hun, he's going out the door. Look, and you turned around and you looked to where you thought he was and went running in that direction. And he was the opposite direction. So you almost lost him. And it was literally two seconds. I like it, but you almost lost him. Well, you did. Because that well, makes I'm, me feel Again, good. I'm not saying it, that you were, it, was, it, had, it wasn't on purpose. Yeah, but for the <laughs> listeners, we were inside a building. I yeah. mean, it was open. Granted, there are chairs, couches, there's stuff inside. Um, so if you're looking, you're not going to see somebody if they're behind a couch or something. 
This was inside a building. Imagine being out in the woods a split second and they go running off. Yeah, I mean that's literally all it takes. When when the when the dad said that, I, I was like, oh, yeah, he's right. I can relate absolutely because I've seen it happen myself. Again, we we don't know what happened to this two year old, but the fingers were getting pointed. Everybody's blaming somebody. It got to the point where the the husband or the or the father of the child is blaming the grandfather and the mother. Is that what? It sounded it like he unclear. speculated that the grandfather or the grandfather and his friend had something to do with it, and yeah. the mother knew about it. The mother knew about it and was trying to hide it. Yeah, try to cover it up. Right. It was kind of weird. And the friend of the grandfather was a convicted sex offender. sex offender, but they never said what or anything like that. Well, the way he put it, though... Was as if I, I forget the actual wording he used, but it may it wasn't like a oh I was urinating out in public and I'm a right. level one sex offender. He made it sound like it was a legit sex crime. Yeah, and they interviewed this guy, and you could tell he was a little off. Yeah, he was a little bit off. So again, who knows? But if you listen to the story, this guy was with the parents when the kid went missing. He was with the parents. He was down by the creek. He was down by the creek. So if he had something to do with it, it's kind of strange because he was with the parents until that's, the until the dad took off to go find the kid. That's what I didn't so understand. So it was kind of weird. It was the only person it could be if you if you believe the story that they're all telling it would be the grandfather. And they, then it comes out the grandfather, he had to carry oxygen with him. He right. had memory issues. Yeah, so the grandfather, he's elderly. He's got an oxygen tank that, that he's on. It's so one of those portable carry ones you hold in right. your hand and you carry. Yeah, so it's not like he's of, you know, exquisite health. He's not in tip-top shape or anything. He's an elderly guy. He's got problems with his memory, according to the family members that were interviewed. So it's kind of strange. Again, I, I tend to think that he wasn't watching the child and the child just Ran took off. took off into the woods or was abducted by someone or something. Mm-hmm. And one of the weird things that they brought up in this case was they were searching for him and shortly after he went missing, it started to rain, which yes. is something you'll notice happens. There's a lot of weather events. A lot of after strange people go weather missing. events. And I have a, a theory on that, but we'll kind of get into that later. Yeah, we can talk about that after. Now, this this again, this child is still missing. We we don't know what happened there. Now, we can get into some of the other cases. You want to continue yeah. with it? What do you think happened in this one? What's your What's your take? It's so weird because you heard the nine one one calls. They had the nine one one calls. I didn't because understand they, because like people were saying she the mom didn't sound panicked. I thought she did. I thought she was panicked, the, yes. trying to sound like as calm as she could be to get the information across. Yes, so they had the 911 calls from the mom. They played them. She, to me, sounded like she was pretty desperate and panicked to... I mean, she wasn't like crying or anything, but she sounded very concerned you, and you obviously can tell, wanted like, help. When their heartbeat's going and they're scared, <laughs> yeah. it's like the shake in your voice. Yeah, it was so there. she was definitely concerned uh, calling to get help. And they got help up there right away. They searched for several days and yeah. came up with nothing. Not a trace. Canines were brought in. Canines couldn't get a scent anywhere. That's the other thing with a lot of these cases. The canines are brought in and they'll get a scent at the last known location and it just vanishes. It's, it's gone. gone. So it's just very strange. It's almost like these people are getting picked up. Picked up. Well, that was something. one of the things they said. Like an eagle could pick up a 30 something pound kid. Yeah. 
and yeah, take an off. Eagle they were checking off. eagles' nests. Yes, because an eagle can pick up up to 30 pounds, and this child weighed somewhere around 20 25, something. 26 pounds, something like that. So they were looking for, they were looking in places like that. So they weren't just looking on the ground; they were looking up high as well. But again, yeah, vanished without a trace. Never found them. I don't know what happened to this kid. And there's a part of you that wants the kid to be okay somewhere. Like it wandered off and maybe somebody took him, but he's okay. I don't know. It just, it makes no sense. There was no clothing. They brought up his boots were a little too big for him and would fall off sometimes. And he'd walk a little unsteady. The shoes weren't anywhere. There was nothing showing anything, like just nothing. Yeah, not a trace of clothing, nothing. Unfortunately, they've yet to find young Dior Kuntz Jr., so we don't know if he's alive somewhere. Chances are he's not anymore, sadly, unfortunately. We don't know what happened, but the speculation's still running running wild out there. The parents are still prime suspects. Everybody that was there is a suspect, but nobody's been formally charged in any way. Nobody's a admitted to anything nobody's confessed to anything everybody sticks by the story that he just vanished that's that story and then the the next story that was brought up was uh of bobby bizzup he was 10 years old partially deaf uh he wore a hearing aid and he was staying at a camp and now this was back in the 1950s this was in 1958 yes uh he disappeared while following his camp counselor back to the camp from fishing the counselor went to the to the, the the river, tapped him on the shoulder, made sure that he acknowledged him and, and everything and he turned around. He told him it's time for dinner. Yeah, and he finished up. He turned around. He was following the counselor back and the counselor turns around and he's gone. And this Just makes vanished. absolutely no sense. He ended up being found a year later. They searched everywhere. Mm-hmm. Nobody could find him. They found him a year later, uh, obviously dead, and he was in a ravine that had been searched three times. But a he year was prior. high up, and he was in a higher elevation. Yes, they were in a higher elevation. And what they were saying was he was following the counselor, but if he got somehow turned around, it made no sense that he like the the trail to camp was really easy to get to downhill. If he traveled uphill, it was much more difficult, and that didn't make sense. But the other part was like, if he's following the counselor, he's walking in a direction. How would he get turned around? He's already been following the counselor walking in that direction. Wouldn't you just kind of keep going straight? You wouldn't do a 180 and turn around and go the opposite direction up a mountain. Right. Very, very bizarre. Uh, and, and, And he went missing. This was in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, again, just a very strange set of circumstances there. But again, he was hearing impaired, so any war hearing aid. So that's another thing that kind of fits the criteria of the missing 411. A lot of the cases that fall into this category are of people who have some type of a physical or mental disability or handicap. They, they either have some kind of an injury, some kind of a deformity, or they are mentally disabled in some way or mentally challenged in some way. So... Not not all of the not all of the cases, but many of the cases, this is what has been found. Now this one, this next one, got to me a little bit. Uh, it was of Jared Atadero, mm-hmm. and this was in October 1999. This child was, was uh, three years old, and he went missing when his father allowed. Now his father, uh, the three-year-old Jared, and his sister all lived together. His sister was six at the time. Yes, and they they lived in a remote area in 
the Comanche Peak Wilderness of Northern Colorado. So they lived in a resort. They, they, he worked at a he resort. He worked at a resort. He owned a resort. And... He didn't own it. Oh, he didn't own it. No. Okay. He worked there. Okay. He worked there. But they lived there. Okay. So I guess a church group was staying there as well. And they asked if they could take... Or if the kids could go with them on a hike. And he he agreed. Yeah, sure. My children... You know, it was a church group. He trusted them. Anyhow, he lets the kids go, and they were going to an area. He was told they were going to one area, but the church group, as they're out, decide, oh, we're going to go further up the road, and we'll go to a different area. And apparently what happened was it they was weren't- It was like, 15, what, 15 miles up 15 miles north of where they said they were going to be mm-hmm. going. So the father let them go, thinking they're going to one place, but they actually ended up going 15 miles north, way off the beaten path. Yeah. You can tell the, these people don't have kids because if they yeah. had kids, they'd know like to not do that or at least co- somehow contact him to let the parent know. Right, exactly. So what ended up happening was obviously they didn't have eyes on the three-year-old. They stopped to take a break. They were all sitting down chit-chatting and one of the women who was watching the kids and walking with them was like, where's Jared? Like, I think, what did she say? Like 10, 15 minutes went by yeah. and realized they didn't know where he was. Yeah, and so they... Ended up calling back. They got a hold of the father. No, they they went back. Or they, or oh, some, sorry, somebody the woman, went back. Or somebody went back. Somebody went back. And Fifteen got the miles. Father. Got the father. Said, "Jared's okay. We just don't know where he is." So uh, what? <laughs> like, it, how? Yeah, that he's, that part. Yeah, he's I got, okay. Really? I, I got pretty upset when when they were telling that part of the story. It's like, wait a minute. I would punch mean, that person. How would you face. know he's okay if he's not with you yeah. and you don't know where he is? How do you know he's okay? How do you know? So again, like you said, these people obviously didn't have kids of their own because you don't say that to a parent when you have lost their child. You say something happened and you tell them. Yeah. So anyhow, he gets up there and he's looking and he they, nobody can find his child. They, they bring in search and rescue. Nobody finds the child. They look everywhere. Obviously, a, a week or two goes by and they call off the search because they can't find the poor child. Now, what happens is he does eventually get found but some some hikers were they part of the search and rescue before? I believe so. And what happened was, so I guess that day some fishermen saw him down by wherever they were fishing. And this this part was a little upsetting too. They just see a three year old who asked wandering it, in the woods. Yeah, and they, didn't the child ask if there was bears around or yeah. something like that? That's what the fishermen said. That oh yeah, the little three year old asking us if there's bears around here. Why would your first instinct not say, where are your parents? Yeah, you wouldn't want to maybe say, hey, why don't you stay with us, little buddy, till we find your yeah, parents let's, or something. Let's find you know? your family. Or whoever you're with. No, they just, oh, yeah, no, there's no bears around here, kid. And then they just let the kid walk off. So anyhow, they show it like an aerial view of the map and everything. And they show that he ended up being found three years later, about 550 feet from where he was last seen by those fishermen. His shoes were in pristine condition, almost like they were brand new. So these, yeah, the hikers, they were going up in that area and they found the shoes kind of set as if like somebody, like as if he just took them off and like placed them maybe like minutes before and neatly placed them in this one little spot. Yeah. And they found a single tooth and his skull cap. His pants were found inside out and they were pulled apart from rodents and birds using them for nesting. His jacket was found. It was almost in pristine condition. There was no DNA or hair found on his clothing. Now, the story that was told to his father 
was that he was probably attacked by a mountain lion. A mountain lion dragged him up up to that spot and tore him apart, and that was the, that was the end of it. Yeah. Now, they 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 put up an interesting graphic, and I actually did look into this a little myself, and I found it it's actually accurate that since 1915, only 14 fatal mountain lion attacks have been reported in the U.S. and Canada. 14 in over a hundred years. Fatal. Mountain lion attacks in the U.S. and in Canada. That's both countries. But the dad also brought up they tested his clothes. They tested there his was clothes. Nothing, nothing. No fur. Nothing. nothing. No DNA or hair found on this kid's clothing. Nothing. And the fact that his shoes were fine, his jacket was pristine, not no blood, no nothing on it. Nothing. No bite marks. No bite marks. Nothing. Again, the pants were torn apart, but you could tell they were torn apart by rodents and birds that ended up using them for nesting. That's you could just you know you could just tell by looking at them. Yeah, just pretty pretty strange. And the strange, other thing he brought up was if he was dragged by a mountain lion, the shoes would have marks. Like yes. there would be like scuff marks or scuff dirt marks, inside the something. shoe. Something. These shoes were. As they, they clean as when they were put new. on his feet. Yeah, they looked almost brand new, and they they showed a photo of them too. And yeah, they looked, they looked like new sh- kids' shoes. You know, yeah. they it was yeah very, it's pretty eerie. Now, the the official story is that yeah he must have been dragged up and killed by a mountain lion. That's I what, don't believe it. I don't believe it. The father doesn't believe it. It just doesn't make sense. That that story doesn't make sense. But that's what the official story is. But again, well, what's frustrating is. Stop just trying to find it, like make up an answer that somewhat might fit, even though it really doesn't. Just say, we don't know. Instead of just, oh, it was a mountain lion. And everyone can just like shut up and move on. It's like, it's not. Okay. And everyone knows it. They found him, unfortunately, and he is no longer with us. And yeah, that, that story bothered me because again, just seeing the dad. And again, he, he let his children go. But he thought one thing, and these these well, he was this, told one thing. He was thing. told one thing, yeah. So it's not like he was being negligent or anything. He wanted his kids to have fun, and he decided he was going to sit back. I think he said he wanted to watch a football yeah, game or watch he, like, some TV, and he, and he ended up falling asleep on the couch just because. Hey, I know what it's like. I've got we've got three kids, and I'm with them a lot. I spend a lot of time with them. I love my kids to death, but sometimes it's nice to just get a little bit of peace and quiet for yourself when mm-hmm. you don't get it very often. So I totally was putting myself in this guy's shoes. I'm like, yeah, I know how he feels. I, know I probably would have done the same thing. People that I trust, and then these people betray the trust and go and do something completely different, go 15 miles north in, in an even more remote area with kids and you don't watch the kids like you know, it's just i just very wanted to like, go back in time and find these people and smack them just infuriating but unfortunately we know how that story ended and it wasn't a it wasn't a happy ending unfortunately no. the next story they talked about was of sam belke samuel belke this happened in 2006 this kid was eight years old and he went missing in crater lake national park in oregon now there's been a bunch of disappearances in crater lake there's there's a lot of what's called clusters of missing disappearances and missing 401 created a map of all the clusters of disappearances yeah yeah there's it's it's crazy it's insane now I suppose we should talk about, before we get into the Belkey case, we want to talk about what would constitute a yeah. case falling into the missing 411. So these are the, what we're going to go over are the criteria. It doesn't mean that 
every single one of these has to happen to be a missing 411 case, but it's uh, a lot of these happen. Yeah. So any, any of the, anything, any for one of these cases to be considered a missing 411 case, it would have uh, a couple of one or, or more of like these a criteria. Yeah. Uh, in order to be to fall into that classification. So they call them profile points. So number one is the point of separation. So that means that usually somebody goes missing or, or separates from the people that they're with. So that's the point of separation. There's a time of disappearance. They tend to happen late in the afternoon, early evening. Mm-hmm. Boulder fields. So they are either near granite or, or rocks always, or yeah. rock fields. Always, they're always near there. Mm-hmm. Water. Always a body uh, of water. Always near water, whether it's a river, stream, a pond, a lake. Uh, there always ends up beca- being some kind of a weather event. So the person will go missing and it'll rain really hard it's, it's just out of nowhere. It's like or there's almost like a immediately crazy after thunderstorm. a couple days. It could be a dust storm, a snowstorm. Yeah, and it's, and it's usually like it's, it's, it's pretty significant and uh, most of the time it's out of nowhere. It's not It's not something that's been forecast or anything like that. It's just strange mm-hmm. how it, all of a sudden it'll just, the sky opens up and it rains really hard or it's it's the middle of July and all of a sudden it'll just snow or something, just yeah. crazy weather events. The, the person we mentioned earlier will either have a disability or an illness of some kind. And we mentioned before too, dogs can't, find anything when they're tracking yes canines can't track is another profile point the person will end up being found in an area that was previously searched they will have missing clothing is another profile point so shoes will be missing jackets all clothing a lot of these people when they are found if they're found will be completely naked another one is unknown cause of death so coroners will examine the bodies and they cannot give a definite cause of death. And the last one is geographical clustering. So typically, most of these will will fall into a cluster where there have been three or more disappearances in that area. And while we were watching both of these documentaries, there was something I picked up on, and I'm going to go into it a little bit later, but high altitudes. Yeah, a lot of these were were in higher altitudes. That's true. Um So getting back to the Sammy Belke case, and this again in Crater Lake National Park in Oregon. So this child had developmental problems. Uh, He was, it it said that he was possibly autistic. So it could be that he just maybe was never diagnosed, but it was theorized that he maybe was an autistic child. He was with his father. They were hiking, I guess, but they were near the road. They they were, they were, I think they got out of the car. They got out, that's right. They got out of the car. Because they were at Crater Lake because it's this amazing, it's like a volcano that like filled with water and it's a beautiful blue and a, a lot of people stop and they look. He ran across the road, ran up the hill towards the woods and I guess he want, wanted to throw some rocks at a bicyclist. Yeah, something like that. And the guy told him, like, don't do that or something. The dad was trying to go get him, and he ran off into the woods, and it was like he was just gone instantly. Yeah, he yeah. the the dad's giving chase, like, telling him, hey, come here, Sammy, you know, chasing after him, and the kid just ran away into the woods, and it was gone. Never, couldn't find him, never found him. Like, he went through some invisible force field that disappeared right after. He he goes into the tree line, and he's gone. Dad can't find him. Search party comes. Nobody can find him. And it snowed after. Yes, that was, there was the weather event. Now, th- th- I mean, I I don't know. It's just it's just a weird one, you know. Again, it just doesn't make any sense. They never found poor Sammy Belke, so he is gone, unsolved. 
The National Park Service and the Secretary Secretary of the Interior claim that there are no records kept of people who go missing on federal land. Did you know that? I think they do, and I think they're just saying uh, they don't. That they claim that they have no records and that they do not keep them uh, for missing people I that, that go missing on federal land. I, I understand from a PR standpoint. You don't want to be like, hey, thousands of people go missing in our parks every year, but it's okay. Come on. Come see the parks. Like, I get that. But at the same time, you have a responsibility to protect these people coming on the land. Do they, though? Because it's not like they... They're charging you to go on most of it. I, I guess, but it's not like they have guides or anything that... they. I mean, they have rangers that so patrol the area. So they track but of people going missing in the situation. So listen, if it happens again, listen. they could help hey. find them. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just speaking as a rational person. I'm just telling you what they claim. I didn't say that I agree with it or that it's right. I'm telling you what they claim. Now, the National Park Service also turned down repeated requests to be interviewed for the film. Does that shock you? No. Okay. And again, I understand from a PR standpoint. However, I don't know. So anyway, let's, let's move on because you're just... Repeating yourself over and I'm I saying, get it. There, I get it from a PR standpoint. It makes sense. I know, but to, I'm saying I'm the kind okay. of person you do what's right. Well, that's and why they're not doing. That's what's why right. you don't work for the federal government. This is true. So, the final case that was discussed was uh, the Keith Parkins disappearance, and we actually heard a little clip from that. Is what opened the show. Now, Keith Parkins disappeared April 10th, 1952, in Ritter, Oregon. He was aged two. His clothing was found ripped, likely from barbed wire fences, as he went either under or over them. He was missing for 19 hours. So let's explain to the listeners what happened. He and his brothers were... I'm trying to. Oh. That's that's what I'm trying... I take a two... Sec, not even two second pause to catch my breath and you jump in. in. Yeah, because so you, you're not telling listeners. people what I'm happened. I'm getting there. I don't know where you're... We I'm getting as there. As you can tell, we don't rehearse this. We For just jump into it and talk. I'm getting there. Wow. No, you go ahead. You know. Go ahead. It's Thank all you. you. Yeah, go. Go ahead. Jeez. He went outside. His mom was getting lunch ready. He went outside to play with his brothers in the barn. The two brothers come back in and his mom's like, oh, where is he? And he, the brother said he went a different way around the barn. Mom goes outside to check. She can't find him. Start searching. And then they ended up calling a search party. I mean, it sounded like, and she explained back then, they didn't have the search parties we have now, but everyone in the community got together and they searched for him. So as I was going to say, the body was found roughly eight miles from where he was last seen. He was face down in the snow. His hat and coat were beside him. His face was badly scratched, but he was alive. That was the twist that they did because they said yes. his body was found. And again, like your heart's broken hearing the story and you're just like, oh, God, this, this is just so awful. And then after it's the twist of, but he was alive. Right. And so they, he's about 67 years old now and he's interviewed in the film. He shows the clothes. His mom actually saved his clothes that he was wearing when he went missing. So he shows them. And he talks about how he doesn't remember anything about the disappearance. He doesn't remember anything about it. And he recalls that when he was asked as a two-year-old how he got the scratches on his face and hands, he would tell people that the cat scratched him. This is what he would tell people. This, I mean, this is what yeah. he's told later on, obviously. 
and that's the only thing that he knows about that day is that he told people that the cat scratched him. It doesn't say, it doesn't elaborate on anything like, did they have a household cat or something? None of that is, is gone yeah. into, but that's what he said as a two-year-old. Now, we've got a two-year-old. Our, our two-year-old mean, doesn't she, really talk. He's not really talking much yet. <laughs> but, but our five-year-old, when he was two, he talked a bit more. It's like, sometimes they say they things just that don't make sense. St- I mean, geez, he's five now and he says stuff that makes no oh, sense. Yeah. Again, put you know, buy into that what you will. But that was the final case that they talked about in this movie. And uh, again, uh, as we stated earlier, there's over 1,200 cases at this point that fit the criteria to be considered a missing 411 disappearance. Before we get into the next movie, I just want to say, if you're out, you're going out in the woods, anything like that, you have kids, you're going out, just buddy up. Do not go out alone. Don't let your kids run off alone. Like keep your eyes on them. I know it's easier said than done sometimes, but it's like, it's freaky, like hearing all these stories. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into the uh, the next film, Missing 411, The Hunted, why don't we take a quick pause? Mm. We'll take a quick break and we'll uh, we'll be right back. I'm Edna Keith's mother. I was visiting my parents in uh, Ritter, Oregon, and so I said, oh, where's your brother? And he said, oh, he went around the barn. Then we went back to find him, and um, he wasn't there. According to Oregon State Police, there are 41 missing children in Oregon. It's an unknown what happened to these people. It extends far beyond just kids. Hundreds of people vanished from our national parks and forests under very unusual but very similar circumstances. In a lot of these cases, search and rescue or the volunteers searching people have already gone over certain areas, not once, not twice, but even dozens of times. And then the child is found there maybe a year, maybe a few years later. I think that I'm actually sitting here holding my son. But this is, this is what I have left of him. We're talking about a a very large, even worldwide, collective of information here. We turned around, and here was this little toddler walking out of the fog with absolutely no clothes on at all. Well, it's it's troubling. You know, I got members of my search and rescue group that aren't sleeping too well. If you have areas that you don't even know there's missing people, it makes it really difficult to reinvestigate when more information comes. Some of these situations are so unusual, you have to think beyond the bounds of what's normal. One of the reports says, well, the reason why you didn't find any DNA or blood or anything on Jared's clothing is because either he or something removed his clothing. There's just too much. There are too many questions that don't have answers. When did the FBI get involved? family's been accused of, of drug use and of sleeping with certain people. Everybody thinks, well, I'll come up to a polygraph. Go ahead. Go right on ahead. I have nothing to hide. You know, everybody wants an answer. Hopefully someday we'll come up with one. Does the National Park Service keep a list of missing people in their parks? And we're back. So let's get right into the sequel to Missing 411 called Missing 411, 
The Hunted. Now, this particular documentary focused on hunters that went missing. And if you think about that, that's pretty crazy because hunters, they're more likely than not experienced in the wilderness, in the outdoors. They're carrying weapons. Yeah, they have Firearms, guns. bows and arrows. Knives. Knives. They're, they're survivalists for the most part, most of them anyway. And the, the gentlemen that are, and ladies that are profiled here, yeah, they, they were experienced hunters. So we'll talk about the first one. The first case was Tom Messick. He went missing November 15th, 2015, and he was 82 years old. This was a weird one. He went missing in uh, Lily Pond, upstate New York. The FBI got involved in this case, and they mentioned that it's un- it was unusual because the FBI typically doesn't get involved in missing person cases like this. They will show up if it's a, if it's a minor, if it's a child, but for an elderly person, somebody 82 years old, they don't typically show up for stuff like that. They have search and rescue local law enforcement that handles that, but the FBI to get involved was pretty strange and peculiar. Usually there has to be special circumstances. Right, and the FBI, dating back to the 60s, they've monitored numerous missing person cases that were very similar to the Messick case. That information came out later when there was some digging done by the filmmakers. And it makes you wonder, like, okay, so what do they know? Yeah, what do they know? Now, this was a weird one. It was uh, this gentleman, Messick, his son, several of their friends all was went it, up. Was it six people? It was about, yes, it was six people. Uh, the four elderly hunters, so basically Tom and his three friends, were, I guess they called them watchers is what mm-hmm. they called them. I, I, I apologize. I'm not a hunter, so I don't know a lot of the hunting terminology. So the younger guys, but yeah, they took post. They took post throughout in an they, area. About 50 yards apart. And the younger gentleman would go up maybe two, 300 yards ahead and would try to flush any deer out and get them going, to run towards the four watchers. Now, Messick was at the end of the grid, so he was on the end and there was a body of water, but because it was a pond, but he was furthest away from the water. Yes, and his friend mentioned that he heard a strange sound in the woods, something he'd never heard before. And this gentleman was in his 80s as well, and obviously he'd been hunting for decades at this point. He said he'd never heard anything like it before, but that it was... He didn't describe he it. He didn't but describe it, but his son described the, it. The, yeah, the, the, his Mr. son. Mr. Messick's son. Not Messick's son. It was the friend's son that described it. it you give oh, me a look. Okay, it was I'm the mistaken. friend's son. Yes. He described what his father heard because he, the, the gentleman wouldn't really say on camera. He just said it was a sound he never heard before, but he wouldn't really elaborate. But then when they interviewed his son, who was also there, he said that his dad told him it sounded like a snap and like, crackling kind of sound almost like a a large trap being closed that's the sound he heard it was very eerie and i mean just hearing something like that sounds pretty pretty eerie and just really weird yeah the gentleman mr messick had one eye he lost an eye in in combat he was a he was a he was a veteran by all accounts he was with it pretty aside from that he was pretty fit very, wife, very comfortable outdoors. He, he was having a good day. He wasn't having any aches or pains that day. Yeah. And he had a walkie-talkie. He had a radio. Yes, all, all, everybody in the uh, hunting party had walkie-talkies. And yeah, he, he went missing. Just completely missing. They, they 
without a trace and search and rescue went up nobody could find him he was never found never seen again no update on that case uh the only update that was given here was that again we we spoke about the fbi but the fbi stopped returning calls and no longer returns any calls from the family when they call to see if there's any update or if they have any information whatsoever fbi doesn't return their calls so it's just kind of weird they're like i'm sorry more people went missing we're investigating yeah like what what the heck is going on here one thing that maybe it's just the way my brain is um mr messick's wife mentioned their dog and how the dog just looks out the window like it's waiting for him to come home and of course, my first thought is, well, have you tried to take the dog to track him to find him? Maybe because like dogs oh. sense things. Granted, a sure. lot of times these dogs, like the tracking dogs don't pick up a scent. Well, that's the thing. The, the canines didn't. But maybe they, they if didn't it's his personal dog, maybe. I maybe. Don't know. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe this they is have. This me grasping at Maybe straws. they have. Again, it's a documentary. They're yeah. not going to give every every possible scenario away. In this the is me trying to find some kind of hope. Right. Now, they also mentioned that uh, November 24th, there was a gentleman about 40 miles south of the Messick search that went missing from his home. This guy's name was Fred Drum. He was 68 years old. I guess he just, his wife left to go somewhere for a little while. When she came home, her husband was missing. Car was there. He was on his property. He just went missing, and there was a search done, and he was never found either. Just kind of weird that, again, they were 40 miles apart, but. He went missing right around the same time. A lot of people are going to think these are elderly people. Maybe they just wandered off. They got confused. They got disoriented and they wandered off. But these people didn't have any known issues where they would just like any no memory issues, no dementia, anything like that. Right. They were sound minded men. But by all accounts. If there was something else going on that nobody knew about, well, we don't know. We don't know. We're just going by what the information that we have. Next, they went into the Santa Fe National Forest. Mm-hmm. There is there is a cluster here. There were 15 people that have gone missing in, in the Santa Fe cluster that was outlined. We'll talk about a couple of them here. Audrey Kaplan went missing July 30th, 2014. She was 70 years old. Right after she went missing, thunderstorms, massive thunderstorms. She ended up being found in about four or five inches of water, face down, in the fetal position, and she was naked. She was found five days after she went missing. There was no physical evidence that she died of hypothermia, but the coroner deemed it hypothermia. Now, remember, she went missing July 30th, and it was the hottest day of the year when she went missing. And she was gone for five days. This is in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hypothermia? Seriously? No, they were at a higher elevation because they were they were mushrooms or something or looking at she different was, mushrooms. Yeah, she separated her she and separated her husband from her split husband. up. Yes. Now, the things that are weird is they found her clothes before they found her. So yeah. they found her naked and she was face down. Yes. And that's again in the fetal position. another thing that I picked up on for a lot of the like in terms of the people there's that been were a, found, yeah, there's they been were a couple. Down. Yeah, Even in other cases we're not going to talk about today. Yeah, there's been a couple that, that that seems to be a trait. Another one that they profiled, Melvin Nadell. He went missing September 6, 2009. He was 64 years old and he went missing in Elk Mountain. At the time, Mel had a slight knee injury. Now, he also had a bow and arrow with him and he had a pistol on him. Canines, no scent. They got no scent of him. 
It's like he vanished into thin air. The search for him lasted six days. There was no clues, and he was never found. Now, the thing with this guy was he went up up to that area with two other friends. He was described as a person that didn't like to walk. So when he, they would hunt, he would basically just set up in a deer stand, mm-hmm. and He'd he would just sit there. Yeah, and like he would just sit himself. there. Right, and he would just sit there. He didn't want to walk. So his two friends left and went walking and searching, and he set up a spot, and he was just going to stay there and wait and see if anything came. That was just his style. That's how he was. He hated walking. His wife was interviewed. She said he hated walking. He didn't like to walk. So the odds of him wandering off, walking around, seem less likely. Yeah, and that's what everybody that was interviewed said, That everybody that knew him. And the other thing is, they didn't find his bow, his knife, nothing. If he his was gun, walking, nothing. If he was walking, carrying all that stuff, he would get tired after a while. you think he would take You'd something think, yeah, off. Yeah, he'd drop the stuff on the ground, you know, whatever, if that was the case. But again, this is a guy who hated walking, who had all this stuff on him, if he did wander off, you, yeah, you would think he'd want to lighten the load a little bit. He would bit. find something. And again, he had a, a knee injury. That that also makes walking a little less likely for somebody that's got a knee yeah. injury and hates walking anyway. Yeah. He's, he's definitely going to want to sit Even still. Even more less likely. Right. And he had a GPS that he left in his vehicle. Yes. So he wasn't planning on going far. I mean, he was yeah. what? Like 100 yards or something Not from his vehicle? Not even 100 yards from yeah. his vehicle. Like he was not far from his vehicle. Yeah. So, just another one, just very strange. The next uh, disappearance was profiled, Stanley Vigil. He went missing November 7th, 2017. He was 54 years old. Five months after his disappearance, he was found on April 7th in 2018. He had some skull injuries and two broken ribs. His body was found nine miles from the point of disappearance. We're going to get into a... this This one was a little bit wacky and a little bit... Uh, no, I'm, g- I'm not going to use the pun. This one took place in on September 5th of 2014. This gentleman went missing. His name was Aaron Hedges. He went missing in the crazy mountains of Montana. This this story, this is where my brain was really like thoughts were churning and <laughs> my brain was going crazy. Yeah, this one was just, just bizarre. And this was probably the one they focused was it the, I don't know, it, it was this one in the in the first case Probably with the Mr. Messick. They, they, they focused a lot on this one because it was very bizarre. Aaron Hedges went up into the crazy mountains hiking uh, and, and hunting with his two friends. They've been up there several times. This gentleman was 38 years old and he lived his whole life in the area, was very familiar with the area. It was said that he knew the woods like the back of his hand. He had several caches of, of supplies that were already up there for when he would go hunting. So just a, just really weird. He ended up going to up into one of the caches. And again, he had a, a walkie-talkie with a GPS on it. Mm-hmm. Now, what had happened, though, is they had like horses and a mule. And his mule uh, with right. all of his stuff got spooked and ran off. And it had a bunch of his supplies. Uh, yeah, his supplies, bag. his sleeping bag, all kinds of stuff that he had. That's right. Uh, thank you. I'd forgotten about that. On their way up to their area where they were going to be camping, that's right. Their their mule got spooked. Yeah. All his stuff got tossed and lost. And so what ha- happened was he split off from his two buddies and went up to one of their their uh, supply didn't, caches didn't that they, they had. Didn't they camp for a couple days at this point, like at they their had, campsite? Yes, yes, because I believe they went up on September 3rd. He went missing on September 5th. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening was they radioed him and... 
the GPS coordinates put him kind of off the beaten path and they showed aerial footage of, of the area and they had a, a digital map that they would, would show positioning and things like that on there. Yeah, on the map, you could see there's a fork. There's and a fork in the trail. If you left at the fork, it would bring him to his cache. Or if you went straight, it kind of brought him towards another county. Yeah, and, but basically what happened was when they radioed him, the GPS coordinates showed him completely off the trail. And it was one of those things where okay, yes, you can take a wrong turn, but the way he went was right alongside the stream and the stream only ro- goes one way. So if you're lost, well, you're going to know which way the stream goes. Yeah. So you're going to know the direction of the stream is, is the way it was explained. Yeah. And it makes sense. And he was past the fork split. Yeah. So he went the wrong so direction. So he went the wrong way. And then if you actually, they actually took a helicopter and, and flew over the area and you can see down you could actually see the trail from the air. So it's a pretty pronounced trail. It's it's not like you can just oh take a step off and lose your way. Oh yeah, it's we've been on some trails pronounced. where it's like uh, is this a trail? I don't yeah. know. This well, is this not one, this is one not of like them that. from what we could see. Yeah, it's pretty pronounced and you could see the fork where he went left when he should have gone right. You can see it and it's obvious that there's a trail there. So why he went the way he did, it's it's a mystery. What ended, up, what ended up happening was they, they called in search and rescue and it snowed right after they called in search and rescue is a big snowstorm. It was about six to eight inches of snow. Mm-hmm. And this is in September, which is, I, I'm not really familiar with Montana, but it is, it is a higher altitudes and mm-hmm. it is in the mountains. So yeah. I, I guess it could, I mean, here in New England, normal. we've had snow in October, so it's, sure. I, I'd say it's not impossible. It's not impossible, but it's what happened. It was, it was a weather event. His boots were found on September 9th with other items. There, there was a water bladder where, mm-hmm. for from his, uh, his drinking water. And the waist straps from his backpack were cut. And those were found along with a half-smoked cigarette, which was his brand of cigarettes that he smoked. Um, and it was found in an area that had already been searched two days prior. So just just really strange. And it was found by people that had already searched that area. So... A search party that had already searched this area came back through one more time and found his items there. And they didn't find any prints. I mean, he took off his boots and they were saying the rocks there are not stable and they're very jagged. So if you don't have the right shoes, your feet are going to get cut up. And he took his boots off. In the middle of a snowstorm. In the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah. Very, very bizarre. So he was not found. But... June 22nd, 2015, nine months later, after his disappearance, they found his backpack leaning against a tree, and it was right on the property line of a gentleman and, and, and a wife that were yeah, interviewed for the film, and it was just kind of propped there. And now this is nine like months later. He somebody had like placed it there gently. Yeah, yeah. and inside of his, his backpack were snacks, energy bars. It was just weird. Not stuff, like you think that stuff would be gone if he was missing for nine months in the mountains. Right. But it wasn't. And and his backpack seemed pretty pristine aside from the missing waist straps. You know, just just weird. But it was just placed there. And this is where I had my aha moment about things that we'll get into after. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, sorry. It was just weird. Now, 
uh, his gun was in the backpack and his bow was next to it. So that was kind of weird. Like, okay, so his gun is there with food, his bow and arrow, and his gun. There was a thermos cup and an open energy drink that were also found. This is nine months later. As if he stopped at the rock to take a break and have a beverage. Yeah, and from this spot where his stuff was found, you could see a road and buildings from from right there. So if you're sitting down where all this stuff was, you can see the road and you can see buildings. So if you're lost, if that's the case, you can see now, oh, there's a road. That'll take me to civilization. Oh, there's buildings. That'll take me to civilization right there. I'm good to go. I'm all set. But that didn't happen. Fast forward now, August 8th of 2016. So we're going to go a little more than a year into the future now. And his skull and remains is found underneath a dead tree. His cell phone and jacket were found. They never found his socks. They never found his feet or his pants. No cause of death from the coroner. What? Like, what? What happened here? Honey, honey, you're, you're, you're trying to look okay. too far into this. We know it's hypothermia, right? Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, so, it's got to be. What the hell is going on with this one? I've got nothing. I don't know. It the, makes no sense. Yeah, this is where I had my aha moment of just thinking about things. and. I know where you're going to go with it, but... And, and I'll let you you're get like, into it. I know but, where you're going to go with it, but you're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're, but anyway. But, but let, let's get into the rest of the story. We'll, we'll, fin- we'll finish off what, el- what else was covered in the in the film and, and then we'll, but yeah, that one was just, just crazy. So now we're going to go to Sonora, California. There's an area in Sonora, California where three people went missing uh, Breck Phelps, in October 6th of 2016, disappeared after hiking down a trail to do some fishing. He was never found. His vehicle was was left on the side of the road. Patty Tolhurst went missing in 2014. Nita Mayo went missing in 2005. Like Phelps, they left their cars a quarter of a mile from the parking area, because there's a designated parking area in this in this spot, and they went missing. Their remains were never found. Fa- excuse me. There, uh, there were some remains that were found before Phelps disappeared, but they were not identified. They did not belong to Nita Mayo or Patty Tolhurst, and Breck Phelps was never found, as I, as I said earlier. That's four people, but they don't know who the, the remains that were found, they don't know who they belong Just to. Just random. Just random human remains were found. And the woman, they left their purses and everything in their purses, cars. Purses, their phones, they were all left in their cars. Just Just very strange that these and this again a cluster in sonora california it's just very weird that they would leave all their things get out of their car and just vanish now one of the women the family said the only thing missing was her camera so i could see this is a place where you get out and you're just gonna look at the scenery there's a little trail maybe go for a walk you don't want to carry your purse i understand that but if you were planning on going anywhere other than like a brief walk you would bring all that stuff with you. You would think, yeah. Like, even if there but, was a chance of a gift shop being at the end, you would bring your purse. Sure. If you were going to be gone for more than, like, 10, 15 minutes, you'd probably bring your cell phone. Yeah, but that didn't happen. It didn't. So, very, very weird. Now, I don't know. I, 
I, I've, I, I don't know. The, the, the final couple of things that they talked about, the, these just freaked me out. Just really freaked me out. So there's an area, remote area in California that the filmmaker uh, went to with a, uh, a couple of locals. Local hunters. Yes. Who've been there for decades. He agreed not to disclose the location because it's a pretty remote area and these hunters don't want people going there and, and basically ruining their, their spot. They don't want people showing up there, trying to research the area, trying to... Basically, they don't want people up there ruining the area, which it's I get. I understand it. I get it. They go up there. It's, a again, very remote area in California. It's a pretty high altitude, but again, they don't disclose even remotely where the area is. They don't give you any hints. They play some footage that was taken back in 1974 that this gentleman that was interviewed and his two friends went up there hunting. They had made a shelter and they showed pictures of it. It was pretty neat how they, they almost made like a, almost like a, like a, an adult fort in between some trees. It's pretty neat how they did it. And they had a video camera with them and they took footage of some pretty bizarre. I wish I could play a clip of it, but I'm just going to tell everybody, you got to watch the movie to get this. Yeah. You because need I'm to, not going to do it justice. No, you, I can't, I can't describe what, what was heard. The audio. It, it's, it's, it's two somethings communicating with each other. One of the guys that was in the fort, I'm going to call it a fort was yelling back. I don't know if he was trying to communicate, if he was just scared and was just, I don't know. But they were obviously communicating with each other, whatever these two things were, and you could not see anything. It was dark. All you could see was the trees. You couldn't see what these things were that were yelling and screaming and making these noises, but they were obviously communicating with each other. That much I could make out. They were do, They were. They had to be talking to each other and, and or something but what was weird is we're listening to this and it almost sounds like some kind of ape gorilla thing mixed with a human voice mixed with uh, i don't know what yeah um, you're not it, gonna do it justice no so it, it's not it, even it, worth like you have to hear it but then at times it's almost like a not a howling but kind of like some kind of animal communication type of something noise howl thing yeah but then i swear i'm hearing words like i swore i heard like it was trying to speak words but i couldn't make out what it was saying and i don't know if that was the hunter doing that but it just i was like what well, am you i could, hearing well you could tell what when it was the hunter i could i, I could know, tell the but difference that's why i was like this doesn't make any sense like uh, that's why i'm like is it the hunter it doesn't sound like it is it's not that tone i guess no. it was weird yeah it was weird you need to you it was need freaky. to see this i, I got to hear it i got goosebumps watching it I'm, I'm getting them now just talking about it it was really oh, yeah. strange i was like i still want to go and like find it but again that's me yeah cuz you're you're crazy i am I just want to know. Yeah. Well, so that that was discussed and the, the, the gentlemen, the hunters were told to dismantle their, their fort. Yeah. This was like years later. Years was later. It 2014. They, the, they the were told to dismantle. Ra- yeah. The rangers, rangers found it. the rangers found it and told them they had to dismantle it. They had to take it apart. They don't want it up. They don't want them up there. 
whatever. So no, I understand is, is that, that because part the, of me is like, is it because they know something? Is it because they there? know something's up there and they don't want you know what? Who knows? But anyhow, they they dismantled their fort. But you could see they showed parts of it. You could see that they showed their well. This used to be the door, and mm-hmm. and the, it was it was pretty. Like I said, it's pretty neat. Just terrifying that that's what was up there. And they mentioned that not only did they see these these or not they didn't see these things, but they heard these things. But that oftentimes they would see blue orbs. Now, what does that remind you of? Call back to what have that we've oh talked gosh. about with blue orbs. That when when they started talking about this, I was like the Skinwalker Ranch. Exactly. And I said to you, and we were both thinking it, it's very sim- similar things as the Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. So just very strange. And they they showed they had like a digital reenactment, if you will, where it almost looked like a, a floating lightsaber going through the woods Mm -hmm. and the way that this guy described it. And again, it was a recreation. It wasn't the actual footage, but it gave you an idea of what this guy saw. And he said it was definitely just weaving in and out of the trees. It was definitely under intelligent control and it just made him very uneasy feeling. And that, that's why right there I was like, geez, that's Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. That's what, those are the stories that you hear about Skinwalker Ranch. And you actually went and you looked to see if Skinwalker Ranch was at a higher elevation, and sure enough, yeah, it was. Yeah. So you were looking at a topography map. Yeah. And there it, was higher yeah, elevation was on higher Skinwalker elevation Ranch. in okay. that area. Okay. That general area is a more of a higher elevation compared to, let's say, you know, other places, especially like look at Louisiana or something like that. That's okay. below sea level. Sure. Um, okay. Because we were we were watching this, and I'm like. These are all happening in like mountain, mountainous areas, places of higher elevation. And then when it popped in my head, Skinwalker Ranch, I was like, what's the elevation? Is it even somewhat high or higher than most places? And it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, so just something to think about. Just another something to think about with this stuff. So yeah, that was a pretty freaky thing when they when they got into the, they show the sounds they show the footage and you hear it and they said that they got it analyzed by specialists and mm-hmm. the, the audio was never Ringless, messed with and they were saying not, there was no way a human could replicate that sound right and they said that the recording was not altered in any way it was not spliced there was nothing overdubbed nothing like that it was the original actual recording from 1974 and yeah they could not figure out what it was but they said that the sounds would have been made based on the tone and the pitch of everything by something that had to be at least seven and a half to eight feet tall. Okay. I, I don't know how they figure that stuff out, but that's what they said. So are we talking about Bigfoot? Another callback to something we've talked about in the past or something completely different? I don't know. But those sounds were crazy. Just crazy. Definitely watch this movie just for that if nothing else but i think that you'll be fascinated and perplexed just by the entire thing but that definitely was just what the hell is going on here the final thing that they talk about as we come to the conclusion of of the the hunted took place in lima ohio where i actually went to train to become a pro wrestler mm mm-hmm. So this was a little... When they said Lima, Ohio, I'm like, wait, Your what? Your ears perked even I'm like, more. I'm like, what? Lima, yeah. what? What's going... What happened in Lima, huh? There's disappearances in Lima? What the... 
So this actually wasn't a disappearance. It was just something that they felt that they had to include because of the strangeness of it. A strange phenomena, if you will. Yeah, and just this is a weird one. So they they talked about anybody here, anybody that's listening that actually is a is a fan of the paranormal or UFOs or anything like that ancient aliens, all that kind of stuff. You've probably heard the name Bruce Maccabee. Well, his wife is actually the one that this that encountered this phenomenon, I guess is the best way to describe it. She was out in the woods in their on their property and she likes to hunt. From her deer stand in the trees, she can see the local high school. And there was a football game going on on this no, night. No, it was the band marching band or, was practicing. Marching, oh, they were. Pra- oh, there wasn't them, a game. No, they, she could hear them practicing. Ah, uh, okay. I, I apologize. I all right. So they're practicing at the football field. That's what was going on. Jesus Christ! Right. Pay attention. <laughs> wow. All right. So this took place in, on August 29th, twenty ten. Now, the the band talked about. Well, actually, we'll talk about what she witnessed first. Okay. So she's up in our hide, up far up in the trees. Yeah, she's she's up high in her deer stand looking for deer. She's got her bow with her, right? And a blackberry that she had. Yeah, her with blackberry. Her. Her blackberry. Phone. Is it like yeah. a t- 2010 blackberry? Because this, this will come into play later. Yes. She's talking about you can hear the sounds of nature, the crickets, the birds. Just like if you go outside, you hear nature. Yeah. Right, of course. It's Everything not quiet. Was normal. Yeah. She wasn't finding anything. And then all the sound just stopped. Silence. Nothing. And then she sees something across from her in the trees. They show a digital recreation of it. And it looks like the predator, essentially. And she describes it as such. Like the cloaking device the predator had. So you see almost like movement, but it's camouflage. So it looks like whatever they, wherever yeah. they are. Yeah, it's almost but like. But there's something else there. Yeah, it's, yeah. So they, they, they did a recreation of it so that you could get kind of put, put a picture to the words, I guess. And it was weird. It was really, really strange. Now, again, obviously it wasn't the actual footage or anything mm-hmm. like that. But she did say. She described the incident, and it looked like this big, massive thing was moving through the trees and just reaching across. Was it like 12 or 14 feet across, uh, and it was just, just reaching, reaching over, about grabbing the other grabbing tree. Grabbing the tree and moving onto the tree, silent, totally silent. And she said that she just felt strange. She said that her behavior wasn't as she normally would be in a situation like that. Right, and she remembers that her husband, because of who he is, always said, if you see or hear something strange, you have a phone, now take it out and snap a picture. The, again, he's a big UFO guy. So she must and have subconsciously... I, I just want to say it's funny because we've had that conversation where you said, and again, this is going back to episode one, where you talked about you thought you saw a UFO and then I thought I saw one. So thinking back to what you had said, take a picture. So I did. Yeah. So yeah. it's just funny because that popped in my head and I'm like, that's it, it, even when you're in the moment of things, it pops in your head when somebody else says it. Sure. And so she remembered subconsciously, I guess, the way she described it to take out her phone and just she puts her phone out in front of her and snaps a picture. They show the picture and we're going to put it on our website. We'll put 
a snapshot of this picture on our website and you can't see anything. It's like all distorted and makes no sense. And it was smaller. Yeah. So the pixelation somehow, and they go through all the different numbers. Like the different sizes of the pictures. So you have picture. like a, your regular and then if you want something smaller. Yeah. Somehow, for some some way, the camera digitized and made the picture smaller than than was possible on the device. And they, they showed the phone Like you couldn't everything. change it in the settings. It, yeah, there's no way to change it in the settings. And the way it was explained was you need different software on the phone to get the picture to go that small, the way the pixels were. It's just really weird. It wasn't clear. You couldn't really make anything out on it. If you look at it long enough, it's kind of like one of those pictures where you look at it and stare at it long enough, you could see a sailboat or you could see a lion or a tiger, whatever. It's kind of like that. Because when I looked at it, I'm, I think I see a face off in the corner. Mm-hmm. Then I think I see like Jason's hockey mask in another corner. Well, it's weird. It's just yeah. weird. It's not I, clear at all. I took a picture from the TV. We paused it. I took a picture. And then earlier today, I duplicated it. So we have the original. But I wanted to see if I messed like go on your phone into editing and you can change the contrast, the brightness, yeah, sharpness, this, things like that. This part was weird. When you showed me this, I'm like, what? So I went in and... And, and just tell everybody what kind of phone you have. Okay, we have the brand new iPhone 11 Pro Max. Yeah, so this is like the latest iPhone, the latest phone... We just got them. ...technology or yeah. whatever. Yeah, there's all these settings for pictures and stuff like that that I don't know anything about, but, but you mess with them and you know about it. Yeah, so I went in to edit it because I thought if I play around with the contrast, the sharpness, the brightness, noise reduction, things like that... Maybe we can see something else in the image. I messed around and I played with it so you can make out more of what I saw in the picture. And I, I hit done and it's supposed to save it. And it was weird. It, and, and we'll post this on the website. It wasn't what I was looking at when I hit done. Something changed in the photo. And I, I was like, what the hell? So I ran up to Alex yeah. and I was like, you need to see this. Yeah. So she comes up, she shows me the picture. It's the original. And then she starts messing with the different fonts or settings or whatever, the, yeah. whatever you call it. And she's doing this all in front of me and I'm looking over her shoulder. I'm watching it. And she goes, okay, you see this? I'm like, yeah. She hits done. I'm like, okay. And it then saves it's, the it picture. Like saves the picture. And then when the picture pops back up, it's completely different than what was just there. It's, it's like, what the hell? It it's just, like it's hiding everything. There's like yeah, this white kind of swirling over. It's the over. weirdest thing. And this isn't the original picture, everybody. This is this the original picture. This is a picture from the TV. This is a picture from the TV. It's not like we got the original photo and messed with it and tried to dissect it. No. She took a picture of the paused TV. It's just the weirdest. This makes no sense. I'm like, and, what's, and what's going on here? what's weird is because no while sense. I'm doing this, everything looks amazing. Like, I'm getting more, sh- like, I'm seeing more things inside this picture and I'm getting thoughts about what this could be. And I go to save it and it won't save. So then I was like, okay, what did I touch? I touched high definition. I touched sharpness and I, noise reduction. And I was like, maybe if I leave... I, I messed around and I left those things alone and I was able to save an image where it's altered a little bit trying to extract more of what the picture might be. So we'll post these on our website, but it was just really weird that I tried to mess with it and it was almost like, oh, oh yeah, um, you can see it, but no, we're not going to save it like that. We, I, I, I 
I don't get it. The only other just thing. Just the I, weirdest thing. It just popped in my head as I'm thinking, I should have had you take a picture with your phone before I hit done to see <laughs> if that would save it. Maybe. Or, or snapshotted it before yeah, you hit done or something. I don't, I don't know. And, and would that even. Well, now we know what to mess with yeah. when we get up you know, done weird. recording here. Yeah, just very, just bizarre. So the other part of that story was that the the Maccabees' nephew was part of the marching band. Later that night of August 29th, Bruce Maccabee gets an email from his nephew who was in the marching band, and he said that around 6.45, 7 o'clock that night during band practice, there was a it was a bright orange light that was above the football field where they were practicing. And everybody stopped and looked up and everybody saw it. Well, I don't think it was directly above. It was kind of off between like the football field towards their property, but, but it wasn't like on their property. But Everyone everybody saw it. saw it. And even the band director, who obviously is an adult, looked up and said, what the hell is that? So everybody saw it. And so the, the, the kid, knowing who his uncle is, emails him lets him know about the the event and that's when mrs maccabee tells bruce about her experience because for whatever reason she didn't think it was necessary to she, say anything it's like she forgot point. about it's it. almost like she forgot about what happened and then she showed him the picture like oh yeah it's almost like him getting the email and telling her about it like refreshed her memory and like and, snapped her out of a trance and the other thing too is she said she didn't behave as she normally would if something like that were to happen like if something she didn't know approached her was in front of her she would get down and head back home right away right and instead she just stood there and watched it I almost mean, granted, like frozen yeah yeah or almost in a trance yeah but she was able to think oh get a picture first yeah Again, I think that's just like subconsciously she hears her husband's voice in that in that instant and just takes out her phone and almost like yeah. unconsciously snaps a picture. And so that's when she tells him about what she sees and he's like, what? How could you forget about this? Right, yeah. Very bizarre. And that's when she shows him the photo and all that happened. Now, we're going to post the photo, but you still, you need to see this documentary. And people are trying to say it was her hair because she took some selfies beforehand and they're trying to say, oh, you got a picture of your hair. Yeah, Like up close, like the phone was like up getting the back of her neck zoomed in or something and it was her hair. Yeah, no, it's not her hair. And that doesn't explain how the the pixelation was all jacked up and and impossibly small. Yeah. But anyhow, that that was the, that's how they ended up closing out this movie. And we're going to get into now... Uh, again, as we just said, watch these movies, both of them. They're both definitely worth watching. They're going to get you thinking. They're going to they're going to perplex you. You're going to probably say, "Oh, I figured it out. I know what it is." And then you're going to hear another story. And you're going to go, "Wait, my theory doesn't fit because mm-hmm. it can't be because of this." Whatever. And, and watch these movies. Yeah. Educate yourself and be aware. Please and, and turn other people <laughs> onto them too, so oh, we absolutely. can all become aware of what's going on and try to figure out what the hell is happening in these forests. One thing is, I don't want people thinking because we're talking about the stories in the documentary. I don't want you thinking, "Oh, well, you talked about it. I don't need to see it." No, you need to see these. You need to watch these documentaries because, as you're watching them, you have moments where you think of, "Could it be this? Could it be that?" Your your like your thoughts. Everything's going in your mind. And just listening to us, yeah, you might have those thoughts, but when you're watching it, you, you're going to feel things, you're going to think things, you need to just see it for yourself. Uh, yeah, 
you're, you're hearing us just kind of going back and forth trying to recollect what we watched and reading from notes that we took and it it doesn't do it justice no. so yeah watch these documentaries and get these books too yes. and uh, we'll put we'll put all the links for everything on our on our website and in the show notes as well so you can definitely check this stuff out for yourself now. And this is something we will be bringing up periodically in the future just yeah. because there's so many cases. There's so many cases and there's so much information. And I, I've been interested in it, like I said, for years. And we've been talking about doing an episode like this for a while. So it, I'm glad we're finally doing yeah. it now and that we've done it. But yeah, we talked about it earlier. We're going to revisit this and if there's something you want us to bring up, a certain case or a certain area, let us know. Yeah, I think uh, the next time we talk about this, we'll we'll focus on our area. I want to do the East Coast. Yeah, East. We could do East Coast. We could do New England. I mean, there's so much we could mm-hmm. talk. I'm honestly, I'm surprised there isn't a podcast dedicated just to these cases. I mean, hey, if you're listening and you want to start your own podcast, yeah. there's something to talk about right there. But we're definitely going to revisit this in the future. But I think we should close this out with. As of right now, as of today, what do you think this could be? Because I have come up with a million different theories, and I'll tell you my stuff after I hear yours. But I want to know right now, what do you think? As of today, what do you think this is? I have been thinking about this, watching it. It came in my mind. So I'm going to kind of go through my thought process because it kind of brings me to where I am. We were watching the segment about Aaron Hedges. And I'm thinking about all these cases and how the stuff appears after they've already searched the areas, whether it be their stuff, their remains. And I'm thinking, could they have somehow stepped into some kind of time rift or wormhole where they're in that area, but time has changed for them. So they're maybe in the past or in the future, but they're no longer where they are in time. It was just something that got me thinking. And then I started thinking the weather. There's always a weather event after the fact. Maybe that's not an effect of this, but maybe it's a cause. There's always around water and granite and with the earth, there's magnetism you know how do compasses work it's a magnet could it be something about where these locations are with the magnetism in the earth maybe something with the water the electricity in the air the humidity in the air it's like even if there's a storm miles away or days away i'm a chronic migraine sufferer and there could be a storm two days out and i get a migraine from it my body senses it it picks up on it could there be something where it's if you will the perfect storm of elements happening at once to create this phenomenon where people can somehow teleport into a different time or a a different dimension. I don't know, but these are the thoughts that are just running through my head. And I wondered maybe the missing clothes are because it's a form of breadcrumbs that they're leaving in an effort to either leave a trace for others to find them or to see if they're just going around in circles. This is kind of what's going in my mind. And then I started wondering, like, could I started thinking after the Skinwalker Ranch, how that came up and could it be something related? Maybe it's not just the Skinwalker Ranch, but all of these places. Is something causing these people to be hypnotized? We talked about when we went over the Skinwalker Ranch, how the, the rancher and his wife were outside in that blue orb 
was it the blue or orange orb came over and they blue were orb. the blue orb came over and they were petrified and he was like there's no reason to be scared but it was like they were just petrified could there be something in a way hypnotizing these people to react this way causing them to take off their clothes causing them to go in directions they normally wouldn't it's just so weird again a lot of these victims are when they're found are face down and you know i wonder could it be an elemental of some sort a fairy or fae could it be something like that all these thoughts are going in my head and then i thought this morning Maybe it's not one thing. Maybe it's just there are different things and different reasons reasons and different causes. And that's why sometimes we find remains. Sometimes that, that's why we find their bodies. And then sometimes that's why we never find them at all. Maybe it's just different things causing all of this. And we're all trying to pinpoint one thing, but maybe it's just multiple things. So that's kind of where my brain has been in what it has processed and come out with. So you don't have one thing that you think it could be. May I, I think maybe it's multiple things. Thank you for narrowing that down. You're it's, welcome. It's multiple things. All right. I asked for one. What's the one thing you think it is? What I do you think it is? I can't give you one. All right. That's fair. One thing we forgot to mention that I'm going to mention real quick uh, before I get into what I think this is as of today, because again, tomorrow I could read something or hear something and go, Oh wait, or I'll think of something and it, my, my opinion will change. But I forgot to mention with the blue orbs and the, I'll call them Bigfoot sounds because they said it came from something that was seven and a half to eight feet tall. They mentioned the sound of what sounded like a tuning fork. Remember that? Yeah. A tuning fork above them up in the sky. And they, they heard that sound, those hunters that were in that remote area up in, in California. I, I just wanted to mention that now. But I just want to say too, because I told you when they brought that up, I've experienced that before outside and it wasn't like you, you know how you have a ringing in your ears and it's in one ear or maybe both ears. Yep. It wasn't that it was like, as if it was outside, it was quiet. And I just heard like a ringing. Where was this? It's been at different places I've been before. But I, I can't remember exactly, but I've heard that before. And it was like outside. And I was like, that's really weird. Maybe it's hmm. something outside, like yeah. in the sky causing it. I don't know. I just wrote it off. But I've heard that before. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I can't say I've experienced that myself, but it's something to think about. What I came up with, and, and again, my opinion on this changes all the time. But this morning I'm reading my book and in my book that I'm reading, they're talking about EEGs, which are machines that can measure brainwaves. So I'm, th I'm reading this and I'm thinking, and this has nothing to do with missing 411, what I'm reading. It's just a, a, it's a completely different book. But it mentions EEGs in that if whatever, uh, an EEG measures brainwaves, like I said, brainwaves, everybody puts out brainwaves. They can be measured by machines. They can be manipulated and back in the 50s, there were a couple of shipwrecks that were caused by the radar operators not telling the ships to move because they're going to collide. And it was determined that they were hypnotized by the radar screens. What I was thinking while I'm reading this was, what if whatever this is out there, whatever intelligent form of life it is, if it's a I'm not going to say extraterrestrial because I don't think it's UFOs or aliens. I doubt that. 
I think it's something that's in the woods that we have, it's an intelligent life form. We have not discovered it yet. We've been having experiences with it, but the people that have had the experiences most of the time end up dead or missing. And what if whatever this is, I'm going to say Bigfoot just because of what we heard on the on the on the audio that, or Bigfoot that they took. hybrid or hi- whatever exactly. I'm just going to say that I don't think it's Bigfoot. Everybody, Bigfoot it's 2. not 0. it's not Harry and the Hendersons Bigfoot. Okay, it's whatever this is, whatever creature entity, whatever you want to call it, Skinwalker, whatever you want to call it. What if they are able to hypnotize or disorient people with sounds? By interrupting their brain waves and syncing them up with whatever their frequency is. And again, not everybody can be hypnotized. Not everybody is, is susceptible to suggestion, but some people are. A lot of these disappearances happen. People just split off from their group unexplainably. They'll be behind their group one minute and the next minute they're off the trail for whatever reason. What if whatever this is, sends out their signal, if you will. And the people that are susceptible to being hypnotized, or maybe this is why having a disability or some kind of a physical ailment makes somebody more susceptible to this frequency that's being shot out. What if this is what's call it maybe calls people in maybe it's a predator of some kind so like an angler fish where it dangles the light and hypnotizes the prey drawing it yeah in. maybe maybe that's exactly what it is because these people most of the time the ones that are found are are dead and there's never a any cause of death that's determined they don't know what's causing the death they'll rule hypothermia but it's the middle of july in in you know santa fe new mexico for example and and so what if their frequency, whatever they're sending out, is what gets these people to wander off the beaten path? Experience hunters, for example. And it causes them to act irrationally. It causes them to disrobe, to take their boots off in the middle of a snowstorm and go walking several hundred feet or several miles away. And they act irrationally to us. We would consider that behavior irrational. But to them, to the attacker, to the predator, whatever it is, Whatever they have them doing may be very rational to them and serve their purpose for whatever their purpose is, whether we are food for like them. take all your clothes off so or, I can eat you. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. A lot of times in, in, in a lot of the cases in the books, their boots are, are missing or their shoes are missing or their shoes are found, but their feet aren't found or their, or their bodies are found with their feet or their bodies are missing, but their feet are found, excuse me. Uh, just weird stuff like that. What if it is a predator that has that ability? And it's just something that you and I don't know about, the, the lay person doesn't know about, but maybe the park service has some idea of what this is. And they just don't want to tell everybody because how do you explain that to John Q. Public? You know what I mean? How do you oh, explain that to the... Exactly. panic. Exactly. We've that, talked about it before, though, uh, when we talked about Bigfoot. There's so much land that's out what there I'm that's saying. unexplored. Exactly. So that's yeah. why I'm agreeing with you because there's so much out there. These parks, it's protected land. It's not going to get cut down. Right. It, it, people aren't going to build buildings on it so, and cut down the trees. Yeah. So what if this is a predator that essentially, maybe it's not trying to eat people or anything, but maybe it's just trying to keep us 
off of their their home, off of their land. This is their its way of protecting its land, its home. What if that's what's going on? I, to me, that seems pretty reasonable. But again, how do you prove something like this? You don't. It's a theory, like the millions of other ones I've had since I've stumbled upon this whole phenomenon. But that today, that's what I think it is. It's got to be some kind of a weird creature that we just haven't found yet or our government may know what it is but they're not telling us why don't they keep records according to them why why is it that they don't have a database of missing persons in the national parks why why wouldn't that be I something they that they do, would but do but they're not telling us but why wouldn't why wouldn't you there's got to be something there what is that something i think they know or they have some idea if they don't know exactly what it is but again, it's like you said, there's so much undiscovered, unexplored land. It's like the oceans. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. There's so much that we don't know. And as humans, we're so arrogant. I say this to you all the time. We're so arrogant. We think we're the smartest. We think we're the best because we have language and we can communicate with each other. We can build things and we can do all this stuff. We talked about that last but, night and I got upset because it always bothered me when I hear people talking about that, because just because, think of think of the octopus. It is so intelligent. And the cuttlefish, like these cephalopods are so intelligent. I think they're probably a lot smarter than people, but because they don't communicate our language that they're not intelligent, that's BS. Rant over. Yeah, thank you. But that's that's my thought right now. That's what I think this is. But I can't put a name to it. I don't know what you call it. I think maybe it's, it's the Pukwajis. Maybe maybe it's maybe it is. Jeez, yeah. There's a callback. <laughs> but but hey, who knows? Again, who knows? I don't know. And I hope I never experience this because odds are, if you ever experience whatever this may be, you're probably not going to be heard from again, alive anyway. That's the thing. It's if like, you're found. I, you know? I, it's like, I, I want to find out what it is, but I don't want to die. I don't want to go missing. And I don't want any anyone else to go through that. Or of course go missing not. Or- of course not. And w- as we said, we're going to talk about this stuff more. These are just the cases that were covered in these two documentaries. There's over 1,200 to date that that are known. But there's new ones that come out every single day. Like I said, I've got the first five books in the series. There's two additional that I'm going to have to pick up now and go through, and we're going to we're going to revisit this and we're going to talk about it again. And it's not just the United States and Canada. Uh, the website for the missing 411 is canammissing.com. Mm-hmm. Think of Canada, America, canam. Exactly. So canammissing.com. So check that out and get these books. Watch the documentaries. They're available streaming. You can buy the DVDs as well. Streaming, you can watch them on iTunes or Amazon Prime's got them. I even saw them on Voodoo. If you have Voodoo, yeah. you can get them streaming on there too. Talk to other people about this too and just be careful. If you're going out into the wilderness, you're going out in the state forest, anything like that, do the buddy system. Yeah, don't go alone. Have uh, Politis has actually said that your best bet 
is to have a firearm on you and a, a personal transponder. So some type of a locating device. And you device. can get them for a good price too. If you do a search and you can get them on Amazon, um, yeah. like two, three hundred bucks. And if, uh, you know, if you're going to go out, it has an emergency SOS. So if something happens, you hit a button, it's going to send a signal out to authorities to, to get you help. Right. And it's it'll have your GPS coordinates and all that stuff. Now, Again, this doesn't guarantee you're going to be safe, obviously. And and again, I, I don't want to scare you, but it'd be like, don't yeah. ever go in the woods anymore. Nothing like, no, that's not what we're saying. But according to Politis, all of the cases that he's investigated so far, nobody that has had those items on them has gone missing. It's not saying that it can't happen, but your chances are better if you have those items on you. And that's if you're a party of four and you're going out into the wilderness hunting or camping or whatever it is, everybody have a firearm and a personal transponder. So that'd be four guns and four transponders, not just one for a group of four, but one for each person, Mm -hmm. just in case, you know, heaven forbid it is what I think it is. And it's something that just calls out and. Hey, one one out of the four is susceptible to this hypnosis yeah. if that's what it is and you go missing and just parents don't let your kids out of your sight yeah just be careful everybody you know go enjoy the outdoors enjoy mm-hmm. the wilderness but just just be careful be, hands. Be, be aware of your surroundings at all times we definitely want to hear from you if yes. you've got any thoughts about the missing 411 cases if you've read the books if you've seen these films if you have any thoughts or theories of what you think this may what do be. What you think it is, tell us, uh, share with us. Definitely. We, we definitely would love to hear from you, you as always. Do you want us to cover a specific case or a specific area? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're going to cover, we're, we're definitely going to return to this topic. Reach out to us on social media. We have a Twitter account. At Homeworker Pod. Our Instagram is. At Homeworker Podcast. And we have a website too www.homewreckerpodcast.com and we will have pictures up on there. Yes, so check those out. Again, check out the show notes and and the website and we'll have links to the documentaries as well as the website and we urge you to look into this for yourself. It's, again, fascinating, perplexing, and sometimes terrifying Mm-hmm. depending on, on what and case you're looking be at. Be prepared, because if you're reading these stories or you're watching this movie and you have kids, it's going to be hard, but I think it's important that you still be educate aware. yourself and be aware. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Always be aware. And as far as the Homewrecker podcast goes, we definitely appreciate our audience. We love doing these shows for you, and we would appreciate it if you're listening And if you haven't already, just go over to iTunes and hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star review. And tell a friend if you like what you hear so we can grow the show. Please and thank you. Absolutely. So until next time, I am the Golden Greek Alex Arion, and I've been joined by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing trophy wife, Monique. And you've been listening to the Homewrecker Podcast. Generally speaking, hunters are very experienced and knowledgeable outdoorsmen. And so when one vanishes, you know something unusual has occurred. The 
as a hunter, you're like, I'm fine. I'm armed. I'm safe. There's no reason for why these people go missing. They never found anything. Not the walkie-talkie, not his gun, nothing. Obviously, an animal didn't get to because there'd be a big scatter. Bees to find. The FBI doesn't investigate missing adults. So then why would the FBI arrive on Tom Messick's case? When you see hundreds of victims scattered throughout our national forests and national parks, you have to question the reality of it. So he could have made fire. He had a gun, he could have signaled help. What happened to him? I'd like to know, but I don't think we ever will. Whatever it is, it's big. And we started recording them. Frequencies go way above and way below the abilities of humans. I look and I'm thinking, what is this thing in the trees? It went from like tree to tree, and then it just, it disappeared. Is it possible for an 82-year-old man to simply vanish while sitting alone in the woods? Can a man with severe hypothermia hike six miles through snow with no shoes? This is one of those recurring phenomena. It's gonna happen again, it's just a matter of time. None of it makes any sense.